What's up, Biker fans? On this episode, I'm kicking off a mini-series around technologies, products, and designs that are either misunderstood or often tossed into product launch stories without good explanations. My first topic is radial compliance, which is when a bicycle wheel is able to deform in the vertical plane as you hit a bump or land a drop. It's not nearly as well known as lateral stiffness, which is a wheel's lack of flex from side to side under cornering loads, or even torsional stiffness, which is the windup a wheel can get under a really hard sprint. To be fair, lateral stiffness is the one you're going to notice the most, but radial compliance has a lot to do with how smooth a wheel feels over varied terrain. My guest today is Chris Murray, owner of Elevation Wheel Company. Chris has been building custom wheels for customers, shops, and industry folks for more than a decade before launching Elevation in 2017. He started doing it in a shop, then built production wheels for Borealis before busting out on his own. He's now built with most major rim, spoke, and hub brands, so he has a ton of experience, and he's here to share his expertise with us. Please welcome Chris Murray. Hey, Chris, welcome to the Bike Rumor Show. Happy to be here. Awesome, man. So we're going to talk about radial compliance and what that means and for wheels, for the ride quality, for performance, and everything else. But uh, before we get too deep into that, tell us a little bit about Elevation Wheel Company. What do you guys do? Yeah, we're a service-focused bike shop that really prioritizes custom wheel building. That's how we started, and that's still a very large percentage of what we do. Um, just love building wheels, love the nuance that comes with it. Um, and we're based in Colorado Springs. If anyone's local, ship things, whatever works for you. Awesome. And you work with a number of different hub brands and rim brands, and I'm guessing spoke and nipple brands even maybe, but tell us who are some of the product brands that you use when you're building wheels? Yeah, absolutely. We're dealers for pretty much any brand out there. Um, we've got our favorites, like some of my favorites are i9, Project 321 for hubs. Wide Industries is always a good call. Rims, again, kind of work with everybody, but for carbon, I'm a big fan of uh, Revels rims, Zip rims. Uh, we're the U.S. distribution center for Nexty. Uh, so if you want nice carbon rims that are reasonably priced, they're great value. Uh, spokes, a little bit of everything, but my favorites are definitely going to be DT and Phil Wood. That makes up the vast majority of what we build with. We switch between the model spoke a little bit depending on the build because that can affect ride quality and price and durability and all that good stuff. But those are definitely our favorites. Very cool. Man, I'd, I'd be honest, it's been maybe forever since I've heard somebody say Phil Wood when it comes to spokes. You know, when you see like the system built wheels out there, it's always like, you know, DT or Supreme or Pillar or something like that. Yeah. Uh, Phil Woods still makes a great quality spoke. They just don't market it at all. But the quality is what you'd expect from Phil Woods. So we try to use them a lot. Nice. All right. So again, we're going to talk about radial compliance as the main subject here. But I do have kind of one business question for you because the launches that we see is, as a media outlet, you know, we're not really getting like a press release about, hey, here's this new wheel with this brand hub, this brand spoke, this brand rim and all that it just you know like it doesn't happen what we see is like here's the new zip wheel here's the new i9 wheel here's the new knox wheel whatever it is right are there still a lot of people doing fully custom built wheels it's still fairly popular it's not as obvious because like you said we don't get big press releases when we build a new wheel because uh, we're using existing off-the-shelf parts there's still a pretty big demand for it, though, especially around riders that kind of fit outside of the bell curve, where they're especially abusive to wheels or very heavy or very light or doing something very specific with their bike and just need something that can kind of fill their niche. But you also get some riders, too, where their demands just aren't being met by off-the-shelf stuff. So that's where custom comes in. Uh, you'll get some people that still want to just do colors, and that's why they're going custom. But 
That's surprisingly a very small percentage of the builds we do is just people wanting to add color. Right. So there's definitely um, some very, very lightweight wheels out there now. Like the new Bontrager ones are just under 1,200 grams for an XC 2900 wheel set, which is incredible. But for a really lightweight rider, you know, someone that's, you know, maybe like 100, 110 pounds, what's the lightest wheel set you can do for them? Or like, how would you go about building just a really lightweight wheel? Because they probably don't need much, right? No, durability is usually not a concern with riders like that. Some lightweight riders are surprisingly good at smashing rims, especially junior riders. They weigh 100 pounds, but they damage more rims than 200-pound riders. Um, They're still learning finesse, right? (laughs) Yeah, absolutely. But um, yeah, we can still build wheels super lightweight. You can get away with a little bit more. uh, Fewer spokes, obviously. Um, So lighter gauge spokes. Um, You can get away with lighter gauge spokes without affecting rims or wheel stiffness quite as much. Um, But yeah, if we're trying to build super lightweight wheels, usually birds to go to for super light spokes, even though they're kind of tedious to build with. But they work well. And those are the fiber spokes, right? Yeah, they work well. They're just expensive and devious to build with. Yeah. What's the lightest wheel set you've built? Like a lightest like 29 or road wheel set you've built? Not too long ago, actually. One of our good friends, David Keith, he had us build up some MVs to um, extra light hubs. That was, I think it was like 1150 grams for a 29 inch mountain bike set. And they're 30 mil wide. So Proper mountain bike wheels. Nice, nice. Do you mind me asking, like, what that cost, or at least what were the parts costs on that? <laughs> yeah, um, he supplied the rims and he got them through a complete wheel set and a bunch of weird part swapping. So, like, I didn't have a clean total, but it's probably like a thirty five hundred, four thousand dollars set of wheels all said and done. Yep, <laughs> that's what it takes to get <laughs> nice, super light. You're right? paying for it. Yeah, yeah. All right, so let's talk radial compliance, like. I have a notion of it. I feel like that's one of those terms that gets tossed around and as almost like, a, oh, yeah, we're laterally stiff and this, that, and the other. And it doesn't get explained a lot of times really, really well. But I think it not only affects the comfort of the wheel, but also like traction. And I'm curious how it's like almost maybe even an inverse relationship to lateral stiffness and torsional stiffness. And what I mean by torsional is like when you pedal really hard, you're essentially twisting the hub first and all that energy has to go out through the spokes to the rim and then the tire before you're actually moving forward. So what is your definition of radial stiffness? Mostly, just to try to keep it simple, I mostly just talk about how it smooths out the chatter in a ride. Um, I think different rims will accomplish that better. I think there's a number of like exaggerated marketing claims, but I think there's still a lot of validity to it as well. Um, and admittedly, I think there's a lot of riders that truly can't notice the nuance because it's a hard thing to perceive when you're riding, especially on a big bike with meaty tires. It's hard to tell those little differences, even though some riders can pick it up. Um, but yeah, it's mostly just how the rim will affect the ride quality to smooth out chatter. Um, and you can get, you can accomplish that a number of different ways. Carbon layup, carbon epoxy, spoke count, spoke lacing patterns, uh, materials as a whole for like aluminum rim shape makes a huge difference. Um, there's a hundred variables in how you can go about accomplishing it, but it's a real thing. It's legit, but I do think some of the marketing claims are a little exaggerated. Um, right. Okay. Right. So you were, you're talking rims mainly. So let's, let's kind of start at the other end. I would imagine, and correct me if I'm wrong, hubs play a very little role in radial compliance or radial stiffness. Radial, absolutely. Agreed. Yeah. Okay. So moving up from there, in your opinion, what has a bigger impact? Is it the 
spoke and with spokes, there's a lot, right? There's spoke thickness, there's spoke material, there's spoke count, spoke lacing pattern, and there's so many different things. And then you have rims with rim material, rim width, rim depth. Where do you start? I think the rim will play the biggest role in that, followed behind by the spokes and how you lace them. Um, so spokes, absolutely. If you do fewer spoke or fewer spoke crossings, it gives the spoke a little bit more direct path to the rim. So it tends to be a little bit harsher, a little bit stiffer ride. Um, you don't really lose torsional. Theoretically, you lose a little torsional stiffness, but practically pretty much every halfway decent bike wheel has more than sufficient torsional spoke or torsional stiffness to not really be a concern. Um, but then you can start looking at like spoke thickness, a thicker spoke will actually influence the way a, a wheel rides quite a bit. Um, especially you'll notice spoke thickness specifically with like deep section road rims. If you have issues where the, you've got a super deep carbon rim where you know the rim's super um, stiff, but it still feels flexy when you're riding. More often than not, if you just lace a thicker spoke in there, everything else stays the same. The rider will come back saying it's world's better. Um, so spoke thickness can make a pretty big difference. Um, but if the goals try to build the smoothest wheel possible, I think rim is definitely the place to start. And so what would the criteria be then? What, would, what kind of rim would you want? Um, I think the best way to go about it would be like a good quality carbon rim. Like the Zip Moto does a really good job through the profile of the rim being a single wall carbon rim. Um, they're, you don't see that. I think they're the only ones doing that currently in the mountain bike, like proper mountain world. There's some fat bike rims that are an exception. Um, and then you've got other people like Revel where they're more so using materials to change the way the, ride, the wheel rides, where their epoxy is a little bit more forgiving. Um, and then the way they lay up the carbon's a factor in that too. Um, but zip, the zip motos are probably the most extreme example. And we've had really good feedback with the way riders perceive those wheels riding. Yeah. It's surprising how noticeable those rims are. Those wheels. Well, I, I've only ridden like the zip full moto mountain bike wheels. And yeah, it's uh, like, that's one of the few things out there where they make some big marketing claims. And I think the product actually lives up to it. Yeah. Yeah. Absolutely agreed. Yeah, they did a really good job in designing those. And I think they're compliant enough, too, that it also helps absorb some of those impacts that would normally damage other carbon rims, too. That is one advantage of building your carbon to be able to move just a little bit is it kind of makes it a little bit less brittle, too, which is nice for durability. Yeah. From a design standpoint, though, you're right. They're, they're one of the few. I feel like there is one other, and I'm just completely spacing on the brand, single wall carbon rim or single wall any material rim. But um, for somebody who doesn't want to go with that one, because it's a pretty distinct rim, you know, for a more traditional like double wall type thing, I imagine the thinner or shallower, I should say, the shallower the rim, the more compliant it's going to be. Is that pretty accurate? Yeah. As a whole, generally, the flatter the profile on the rim, the more compliant it's going to be radially. Um, you got like a deep V section. That's just a really stiff shape in general. So Regardless of what they do with the layup, it's generally going to ride a little bit stiffer than like the same layup on a flatter profile rim. Yeah. Does it, I guess we should back up a minute on radial compliance too and explain. So if I'm riding, the way I'm going to feel radial compliance is I hit a bump and the portion of the rim at the bottom that's in contact with the ground is going to get pushed upwards a little bit, which theoretically is detensioning the spokes a little bit on the bottom half of the wheel. And then is it like, causing more tension on the top or is it just happens so fast that the top doesn't even react there will definitely be a reaction where the spokes on the bottom will lose a little bit of tension the spokes on the top will like 
take up some of that tension. Um, it's usually not a significant amount, and this book should never go fully slack if your wheels tension properly. But there is definitely a shift in the tension balance as you go through that cycle. Do you get any riders noticing that enough to where it's it feels squirmy? And like, especially in a, in a really hard corner, if you hit something or is it just so fast and so minute? It's got to be super loose on spoke tension to affect stiffness. Um, so if a rider's complaining the spokes are too loose and it's causing the wheel to not be very stiff, generally they're very under tension. Okay. Let's go back to rims for a minute. Rim material, carbon versus aluminum for this. Like, are you able to get a more compliant ride out of one or the other? I think carbon can accomplish that better, but you can still get a nice compliant ride from an aluminum rim. Um, like spank rims, they're a little bit flatter profile and they do seem to absorb a lot of those like the like chatter and the harshness a little bit better than say like a DT rim. Um, I do think there's a little bit of a trade-off with durability when you're chasing radial compliance with aluminum though. Just as a material it's going to fatigue the more it moves. You can't really get around that. That's just the nature of aluminum. Um, but for the most part, they still hold up pretty well. And most riders don't get to the point where it's an issue. Right. Yeah. You're probably doing some other damage before you're wearing out your rim from that, right? Yeah. More often than not. Like there's a few exceptions, but usually you've smashed it into rocks and damaged it that way before fatigue's been an issue. Yeah. Is it, I mean, do you, when do customers contact you to build a wheel? Like, is anybody asking about that in particular, or is that just something you have in the back of your head and you're like, okay, I know they're rider weight. I know they're riding silent terrain. I'm going to do this with compliance or it is, you know, like, how does that come into the order process? I'm sure it varies depending on shop. Um, I think we've done a good job where most of our customers just kind of trust us to like, basically they'll give us a budget and say, this is what I'm doing. What would you do? Um, so it doesn't usually get asked about too often, um, like specifically somebody bringing up radial compliance. Um, some riders absolutely are looking for it, but as for the most part, most riders are just saying, I'm doing this kind of riding. This is my budget. This is what I don't like about my current wheels. And then we kind of help them pick the parts that'll correct those things that they don't like on their current ride. Is it something you ever hear about or ever think about on road wheels or is it more like gravel and then even more so mountain bike? Road, I honestly think I hear more about it on road than I do mountain bike stuff. Um, I think there's so little things going on on the road that you have. It's a lot easier to pay attention to those little nuanced things. Um, I think on the mountain bike, it can definitely make a difference as far as comfort. It's just less obvious where that comfort's coming from unless you're like doing like A-B testing with different wheels. Um, one area I think it's going to be like really good to see evolve. And I think it'll make a huge difference is on the gravel world. Um, that's another one zips kind of gone down that path on is more of a radial compliant gravel rim, which I think is going to be a really good call because every gravel ride I've done's always had horrendous braking bumps on a bike with pretty small tires and no suspension. So you can absolutely feel the difference like in the gravel world, I think more than anything. Yeah, it's interesting because I've ridden those wheels too. And man, I, I do, I do feel it. I notice it. It's subtle. Like I've also ridden it on a bike with their Rudy suspension fork, but I've ridden bikes with other gravel suspension forks with regular wheels. And there is, there's something about that combination anyway, that is just a little bit special. I just wish they could make those wheels a little bit lighter. Yeah. You know, like competitively light, right? Like they are a little bit heavy. Yeah. Um, but yeah, if you, if for a really rough course, hundred percent, I would say that would be a, a good pick for um, something like maybe a grind duro, right? Where you're just beating yourself up. Yeah. <laughs> 
you're like debating whether you take the mountain bike or the gravel bike sort of course. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. All right. So let's talk, I guess a more practical question for most people would be like, I let's say they have a, a wheel set, right? Whatever brand it is, they bought a complete wheel set and it feels harsh. What would be your first step to fix that? Not wanting to change rims, they could look at spokes, especially if it's a cheaper wheel. It's probably got straight gauge spokes, which are going to definitely give a harsher ride. So switching to a double butted spoke, it's one of the few times where you can save weight, add durability and improve ride quality for pretty minimal price difference. So swapping the spokes is could make a pretty significant difference as far as the ride quality goes. But if you're not changing the rim or the hub, then... You got spokes and you can like play around with tires and tire pressure, but you're kind of limited because spoke tension won't really change the stiffness of a wheel. Hmm. Okay. I asked that because like Zach, who writes versus oil is, you know, probably on average 35 pounds lighter than me. And so he and I could ride the same wheels and I'll be like, oh, these feel great. And he's like, oh, it felt so harsh, so rough, you know? So yeah, that's kind of what I was thinking was maybe just like lighter weight spokes. So the tension, that's interesting though, that the tension, changing the tension won't really change that that much yeah as long as you have sufficient tension you're mostly reliant on the material properties more so than like the tension kind of changing the way things move because uh, if it's tension you're just purely relying on like the for lack of a better word elasticity of the spoke to um like absorb those impacts um and that can actually be fairly pronounced like to the point where straight gauge spokes can actually cause early rim failure with um rims that are already kind of on the weaker side um, and even if they're not on the weaker side, it still just stresses the rim a little bit more because it doesn't absorb those little spikes in tension, like when you hit a big bump and things like that. Um, actually, as far as, it goes as far as like some rim manufacturers will actually void a rim warranty if you use straight gauge spokes. Huh. Interesting. Like, let's say I have a wheel set that comes two cross, you know, both sides. Is there, can you change that? Like, could you go radial and then, or three cross or anything like that? Or is it kind of just the way it, things are designed that they you have to stick with the cross pattern that the spokes are set up with it depends on the hubs you're running if you're running straight pull hubs you're pretty much stuck with whatever they designed it for but if you're running a j-bend hub you can definitely get away with lacing it in a different lacing pattern um you can like especially if you're just going like two cross to three cross you would definitely gain a little bit of compliance by doing that um and you want to have to change anything other than the spokes so you would gain compliance going to a three cross, going from two cross to three cross? Yeah, it's a little bit longer spoke and a little less direct path. So it absorbs a little bit more. Does that inversely, does that improve uh, lateral stiffness? Uh, not really. It, I, technically, you lose a little bit of lateral stiffness, but it's a pretty small amount. Uh, torsional stiffness, you gain a little bit, but... I don't think outside of having like sophisticated measuring equipment, you can met, you can notice the difference with the torsional stiffness difference. Cool. Awesome. Well, that was, I, I mean, that's all my questions. I feel like it was sort of a simple topic, but interesting. Is, yeah. But what's uh, anything else you'd add to that, that I didn't ask? No, I think you kind of covered all the points. Like you said, it's not a very complicated concept and wheels as a whole, they're not as complex as they look. I mean, we've been using the same design successfully for a hundred years for a reason. It's simple. It works really well. Um, you can adapt it to a bunch of different styles of riding with some pretty minor changes. So it's a pretty amazing structure, really, to see it last this long and still do so well. Um, but yeah, the key points are rim will make a pretty bit 
the most significant difference, uh, rim shape, and then followed by materials is going to be the biggest change. The way you lace the wheel can will also be a pretty good size factor there. Hubs, you can it'll change the stiffness of wheel a little bit based on hub geometry, but not nearly as significant as spoke count, spoke type, and rim type. Does hub flange height matter at all in this? A little bit, not as much on the radial side, but more on the lateral side. Um, all things being equal, a larger hub flange is going to give you better bracing angles on the spokes, so it'll support that rim a little bit better laterally. Um, if you go bigger flanges, but also push them in closer to each other, you kind of counteract that. Um, so for those that don't know, bracing angle is basically the angle that the spoke goes from the hub flange to the point where it attaches on the rim. Um, so when you talk about like dished wheels versus not dished wheels, that's why the uh, the side with the steeper bracing angle will be at a lower tension because it has a little bit more leverage to pull that rim to center or dish. Um, so that leverage is needs to be counteracted with higher tension on the other side of the wheel to uh, keep that rim centered. So um, that's kind of the most obvious way to look at the bracing angle side and its effect on how stable a wheel is and how it affects where the rim sits. Right on. Cool. Final question. If you're building up your dream wheel, what are your favorite suppliers for each component of it? Uh, if I'm doing mountain wheels, it'd probably be Project 321 or I-9 hubs to Revel rims. I love both Zip and Revel rims, but I'm biased because I'm friends with Adam. And then on the gravel or road side, I'd probably go with the Zip gravel rim, the Zip Explore gravel rim to like a wide industry sub. I just love the way wide industries roll on yeah. gravel and road stuff. They are super smooth. Uh, and, and Project 321 too. Like I love those hubs. They're just both great companies. Oh, absolutely. All backed by great people, too. Yeah, I should mention, you guys are one of the few authorized suppliers to build with Zip rims, right? Like, they don't sell the rims to very many people. We were. They've recently opened it up, but for a while, we were one of the few that were authorized to do it. Um, there's a running joke in the shop about how we've built probably 30 or 40 sets of Zip Moto rims, but only sold a couple of them just because we built so many of them for SRAM employees. Huh. So we've got a pretty good relationship with them. Awesome. Very cool. Well, Chris, man, thank you so much for your time. And I'll have some links to your website and everything in the show notes for this one so people can find you and hit you up when they need some custom wheels. Cool. Thanks for having me on, man. Appreciate it. If you like this episode and have a product or tech you're curious about, head over to bikerumor.com slash podcast and fill in the form to submit your idea. You'll also find links and photos for this episode there, plus a link to this and every other episode we've ever recorded. If you really like this and want more, hit subscribe on your favorite podcast player and leave us a rating or review. That's the grease that keeps our wheels spinning over here in podcast land, and it helps us keep getting amazing guests for you. You can find us on social. We're at Bike Rumor on all the things. And if you like random entrepreneurship, NFT, Web3, cycling stuff, you'll find me at Tyler Benedict on all the social channels. Thanks for listening. Until next time, keep the rubber side down.